0: space
1: well not really take two here
0: in the mitten state welcome to code 47 bringing you all things star trek spanning the quadrants the best thing since the neutral zone and we are back this is the code 47 podcast on the secret friends unite podcasting network i am Uh, your humble servant, Trek Lord of West Michigan, uh, and captain of the USS Grand Petoskey, uh, of the Starfleet international fan club, Charlie Carden, and joined by a very special guest tonight, uh, this week, I should say, didn't even have to go too far from home to track this lady down. We're recording in the same spot, but on two different locations. Uh, my wife, April Carden is joining us. Uh, April is the, uh, New vice regional uh, coordinator of Region 13 in the Starfleet International Fan Club that I was just talking about, and so April, please say hello. Hello. Hey, great to see you, um, April. Uh, and I have been uh, been together for about eight years. Uh, discovered not too probably on the first date that we both enjoyed Star Trek. But uh, April, since you're on, anytime we have anybody on Secret Friends Unite, we give them the opportunity to talk a little bit about their, air quotes, geek origin story. And uh, more part to this, your Star Trek geek origin story. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you discovered Star Trek?
1: My brother, who is a few years older than me, um, actually introduced me to Next Gen, obviously, because of our age group. And we used to have to watch it in my parents' bedroom because my parents hated it. So they <laughs> wouldn't watch it on the regular TV. So we had to sit on the waterbed in my parents' bedroom and watch it from there.
0: My, my, my. Oh, my goodness. Well, yes, we, we do what we have to do. For the love of Star Trek, if there's if there's a through line to what we do here. So very good. Well, glad to have you. And this is your first uh, experience with podcasting, though you are very active on social media uh, with small businesses that you represent. Uh, you do uh, almost daily live broadcasts on your different Facebook pages and you run a website. And uh, I'll tell you what, I will uh, give you a little toss out at the end and you can talk a little bit about that. Because we, we never have anybody on the show that we don't give them a chance to plug themselves, but we will do it at the end. So, but anyway, let's get into the meat and potatoes. This is episode twenty-six. Uh, we are following up last week's episode where we had Aaron uh, and Rich on as our new rotating host. We brought them on uh, together, so you could hear both of them together. Though Aaron uh, had been on the previous episode talking about the end of DS Nine, but this is uh, we're still in our season ones. Uh, this is the the second half of. Season one of Star Trek Voyager. And as a capper, uh, I have to tell you that uh, first half worse than the second half is going to be my <laughs> impression. Um, but as as we have done in the past, I'm actually going to let uh, my second chair read the uh, a, a name of the episode and then read the ca- uh, the recap uh, I'll give my impressions, and then April will give hers, and we'll just kind of move along. So, April, without further ado, uh, Episode 9, Emanations, tell us all about it.
1: Yes, yeah, so Episode 9, Emanations. Harry Kim is transported to an alien world at the same time that a dead woman's body arrives
0: on the Voyager. So, uh, I think I feel like this was our first big Harry Kim episode, and Harry Kim is the, gee golly shucks, Jimmy Olsen type Uh, of, you know, fresh Starfleet uh, graduate. Interesting enough concept. Um, You know, in some ways, I think it's not a bad episode. I think it really embraces kind of what Trek does, which which is looking at uh, different cultures and kind of holding up the microscope to us saying, oh, I don't really get it. What's what's going on? This is not my thing. This is not what things are like for us. But in still translating it back to the Starfleet ideal of, IDIC uh infinite diversity and infinite combinations and the crew still tries to find a way to uh be respectful of uh the culture this other culture's traditions uh but still finding a way to rescue their own person so believe it or not you know mired in a season of really crappy episodes i thought this one was okay i don't know april what'd you think
1: i would say okay is a reasonable
0: um a reasonable assessment
1: um I, it was it was all right. It was a little different.
0: Okay. Agreed. But
1: I I did like that Harry Kim was actually the central focus for a bit mm-hmm. of the episode. Um, because I do like his character, even though as you said, he's like gee golly gosh kind of guy. Yeah, right. I, I do I I wouldn't mind seeing more of him.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, as far as in current productions, so like if he showed up in Picard, okay. If you showed up in, in Picard, or, yeah. Okay, yeah. Up in That'd Picard or something else, I think it would be cool. You know, I'd love to see some of those Voyager actors, you know, come back and potentially do a comedic take in Lower Decks because that's obviously the focus of that series. And timeline-wise, it would it would fit. So yeah, the door is open. The door is open on both of those shows, which I think is great. So well, cool. Any other thoughts about the episode before we move on? No. Okay. Really. Gotcha. Episode ten. We're into the double digits. Prime factors. April, tell us about it.
1: Yes, a species that could shorten Voyager's journey with a transportation device will not share its technology.
0: Now, I liked this episode very much. The alien race is obnoxious because they're kind of like the phony friend that everybody like, oh, my God, you're so great. Let's hang out. Let's have fun. A very fair weather friend. But then when like, hey, blah, 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 blah this, this, and that, you know, we need this thing or whatever. They're just like, yeah, but we'd rather just hang out. And and it seems like they were just all about getting down because I know the one chick tried to seduce Harry Kim, but no, they have a, uh, a device called a Trajector which actually gets a nice Easter egg in Star Trek Picard because the technology survives and is unfortunately assimilated by the Borg, which is what happened to this race in the end of it, though we don't see that. Um, but the Trajector has a maximum range, uh, transport range of 40,000 light years, so half of Voyager's journey home could be solved by acquiring this technology. But it's this happy-go-lucky society's one rule is that they don't share their tech. So so a, a, a bulk of the episode is spent from the perspective of different characters trying to find a way to get around it. Ultimately the very logical uh, Tuvok uh, makes himself the vanguard of doing it, but things go wrong. The technology can't be adapted. It almost blows the ship up, and then you know everything gets revealed. Uh, and Tuvok has a great line at the end of it that I really love when, when Janeway confronts him, and she says... Next time, bring your logic to me. Don't use it behind my back. And he simply says, "My logic was not an error, but I was." Which I thought, "Wow, that is a big, big movement thing for a Vulcan to say because they're so they're so stoic, they're so arrogant in their way, and for him to break down and, and to put kind of his friendship uh, with Janeway ahead of his." Superiority of being a Vulcan. I thought that was that was pretty interesting for you know early uh, early character development. So yeah, so I like this one too. So uh, you know my statement that this was uh, well, I, I did say that this was better than the first half. So we'll see if that endures. But anyway, what are your thoughts about this one?
1: Um, Janeway almost had a little bit of flirtation in this one. Um, the whole scarf incident, <laughs> the fabric. Right. Um, it's the the introduction of her being more feminine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A little bit, in some
0: ways. I don't know. I, yeah, At least in I, this episode, right? No, I, I, and certainly it creeps back. She she walks the line of being a captain and then simply being a human being, and you know. But you do remember that, of course, she is was in a serious relationship when they got swept away to the other side uh, of the of the galaxy. She was engaged to be married, and so I know, especially so early on in the show, I'm sure a lot of people are not thinking about. You know, oh well, screw it, we're never getting home. So, like I said in the last episode, let's just let's just all start slutting around the ship. But as the captain, that's not something that she could do even if she wanted to. So, right. yes, it's it's uh it's good to see her uh, experience kind of some humanity. So, uh, any other thoughts? No, I think that's it. All right, episode eleven, and this this is a doos. I love this one. Episode eleven is called State of Flux.
1: Janeway and the other senior officers attempt to flush out a spy who's sending information to the Kazon.
0: Ooh, I love this! What a whodunit! Um, we get our first, I think, real taste of um of back home, as it were, uh, by finding out that Seska, who is uh, one of the Maquis crew members, it's also revealed in this episode that she shared a past romantic affiliation with Chakotay, though they obviously broke that off because he was her CEO, blah, 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 even in the Maquis parlance, uh, that she turns out to be a Cardassian spy, you know, uh, uh, I would say superficially altered to appear to be a Bajoran, which, you know, irony upon ironies. Um, but she turns out to be a very stereotypical Cardassian with the lies and the backstabbing. And yes, we find out that, uh, she has decided all on her own that the crew of Voyager sucks uh, aligning with, uh, Uh, a powerful local alien species uh, could be the way to get them home, or at least a way to get them to survive. Uh, So you see the crew kind of go through this mystery of decoding um, who the spy is because she's attempting to throw off a trail, and eventually she gets caught, and she ends up escaping. Um, So that's a real kick in the nuts to Chakotay, who I was just thinking about it today, uh, is my favorite character on Voyager. I really like Chakotay. I've kind of got a a soft spot for first officers uh, in in Star Trek shows. I love Riker. uh, I love major kira uh, that's just always kind of been my thing so um so this was nice this showed that you know everybody has had a a bad ex who stabbed them in the back so this was kind of what that moment was for him and and i enjoyed it i thought it was uh, i thought it was some good early kind of character plug-in uh for him so how about you
1: yeah she was trying definitely trying to to play a little bit of dirty pool every so often in the episode um I found her character interesting. I feel like a lot more of the Maquis, um, it seemed like more of them should be taking that kind of a stance that Starfleet is doing everything wrong. Right. Um, so I did like that piece because it's definitely true to the nature of
0: that um, group of people. Right. Well, I agree. And you know, there are fits and spurts of Maquis speaking up and speaking out of turn. I know later in the season we get another turncoat, uh, in season two uh, but it seems there just seems to be less and less and less of that uh and the, sh- the you know and ch- the shift the series really shifts away from that because if you think about it if they had seven years of nothing but infighting uh i I don't know that that would make for a great TV show
1: no that, it would definitely I, get a little old
0: yeah, I don't know how they would function trying to run a ship by you know, uh, basically, a, a, you know, a quarter of the crew is, you know, pirates and the other crew is, you know, the Boy Scouts and how they'd be fighting with each other. So it does come back. Seska comes back uh, and plays a very significant role in season two. Uh, and then you even see her again at the end of season three in another form. So definitely, uh, definitely a good episode that, that kind of sets sets the uh that's the table for that. So, And if I'm not mistaken, we get into a string of kind of crappy episodes. Uh, no, kind of crappy, but we've got one good one. But I, I don't want to spoil it. So uh, episode 12 is Heroes and Demons. So what do you think about this one? Tell us about it.
1: The Doctor must rescue crew members who were turned into light energy in a holodeck simulation of Beowulf.
0: Now... I'm really fifty-fifty on this episode because I remember Beowulf very fondly um, from uh, English class in high school. I had a, a teacher, Ann Mitchell, East Grand Rapids High School, which is where we live and where I went to high school. Uh, this was a favorite of hers. She taught it with a lot of passion and conviction. So much the fact that you know, almost thirty years later, I remember it very fondly. But I like the fact that this is the doctor's first foray. It's the first time we get to see him out of sick bay um, because this is long before later seasons when he has his mobile emitter and he's not only able to move around the ship, but also able to leave the ship and kind of become more of a central, you know, character that doesn't have this limitation, but we're caught up in the same old, same old holodeck malfunctioning, blah, blah, blah. We got to fix it or people are going to die. It's a trope that gets, that has been leaned on very heavily in TNG It gets leaned on very heavily uh, in this show because it's funny. I remembered an early episode. You would think, well, if the Voyager is on such a power shortage, they'd they'd never use the holodex again. And very conveniently, we said, well, you know, the holodex function on a different power grid than the rest of the ship. So it's cool to keep using them because it's not going to hurt anything which is dumb and it's convenient because they still want to have holiday stories. But I am very, very sick of that. And it's not like it ever goes away. Cause you we'll see it later in the show. We even see it. in um, what turns out to be a great episode of DS nine with, you know, Julian Bashir's secret agent and the whole crew. Uh, there's a, there's a, an explosion and they, they have to be stored into the hollow suite systems and, and, and to survive and it gets played out that one. I can forgive because it was such a great episode. This one, not so much. So I, I was not a fan.
1: The doctor briefly has a name.
0: I know, Lord Schweitzer. Yes, that's yes. that's, that's a... doesn't really roll off the tongue, but no, yeah. not really. Not yeah. Really. So, uh, what are your what 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 are your other thoughts about it?
1: I I definitely think it's kind of a forgettable episode. Right. But yeah. it was a way to bring the doctor into more of the
0: storyline. Right. No, instead
1: he's... of just being. The Doctor.
0: Yeah, just being kind of an armrest in sickbay and kind of a one-note, you know, exposition, like, well, here is, like in the last episode, well, she's really a Cardassian, because blah, 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 and not otherwise a part of anything, and the only blue uniform uh, in the regular crew. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Now we're kind of tilting into some yuck. We got episode 13, which is Cathexus.
1: A shuttlecraft with Chakotay and Tuvok. A board is attacked. Chakote is left brain dead. While Tuvok begins acting strangely, an unknown force begins controlling crew members.
0: Uh, cue the space anomaly. The thing that, uh, if you were talking to my 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 regular podcasting partner Todd Oxer over on SFU, is the is the the, the 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 monkey on the back of this show, particularly early on. Always it was some space anomaly that that was your driving uh, duos ex machina that drove the plot. Um, and so, yeah, this was really true of that. So, yeah, an alien attacks him. It knocks out Chakotay, but his spirit is still around and moving the stones on a medicine wheel to send them, uh, you know, messages because he's in sickbay. And then Tuvok is the why is Tuvok acting so weird. And why is he doing this? And he's doing that. And, and it has to do, of course, with a nebula. And it's just it was just it was a big mess. It was it was a big mess. The only notable thing and Aaron and I talked about this in the last episode was this was the episode that fixed Tuvok's ranks, rank pips cuz he had a lieutenant commander's rank pips, but he was but he was lieutenant. This episode reflected him as lieutenant and then in season 4 he gets promoted to lieutenant commander. So he his obviously they took his pip and you know, they put it in a footlocker somewhere so they could get it back out later. But right. I'm a stickler, so I don't know. You got you got anything any bright side of this episode that I'm missing out on?
1: No, I think I just remember you complaining about it the whole time. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, absolutely. That's what I do.
1: Yes. Um, a shuttlecraft. Um, of the numerous shuttlecrafts,
0: forty forty um, shuttlecrafts by the end of the series. Four yes, zero. Because they yeah. had if you if you look at because I know in our uh, in the basement because uh, I I have. You know, Star Trek art kind of scattered throughout our home, but I have a big concentration of it in the finished bedroom in our basement, which has a cross section of Voyager, which, uh, you know, I've had forever and even survived a flood in the basement of one of our old houses. And I managed to kind of cram it back into the frame so it looks OK. But um, in, adjacent to the shuttlecraft bay in this cutscene, this there's an area beneath it, which is the shuttlecraft uh, fabrication facility. So there's your answer.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: You know, because they they built a the Delta Flyer as well in season five, so they right. you know they can keep building. Yeah, so forty shuttlecrafts in seven years. I don't know that that the next generation went through that many. And that ship was you know ten times the size of Voyager and had three shuttle bays, including a real big one. So I don't know. Did they lose the shuttlecraft in this one, or was it just damaged or whatever? I I don't even remember. I don't even recall. I think it was just damaged. Gotcha. They get it and fix it. Toss it in the fab facility. So there you go. Oh my yes. gosh! All right. Well, moving on to an episode, and again, this was one that even Erin really remarked that she really liked, and and kind of lamented not being able to talk about it. Episode fourteen is called Faces.
1: Blanitoris is split into her human and Klingon halves by the Vidians.
0: Dun dun dun! And I got to tell you, this is you know in a lot of ways. You when you think about being split into literal halves, you think of what? The TOS episode, The Enemy Within, where that happens to Kirk in a transporter accident, and he's good Kirk and Bad Kirk, which is, you know, naturally an allegory to the sides of our personality that that make us do bad things and then make us do good things, but how the two can't live with each other and, and this is you know, spelled out very similarly, uh, you know, in the same way. And again, this this brings back the Videans, which is a race uh, that I really dig on because, um, you know, as I mentioned in the last episode, they're, they are mercifully free of any kind of moral impediments. They just they need to do what they do. So they'll grab some people and I'm going to take your liver. I'm going to take your lungs. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that because it's what I need to keep dying or it's what my, I think they're in pairs. Like, you know, if you and I were a pair and I knew you needed a pair of lungs, I'd kill somebody to get you lungs. And you knew I needed a, a, a heart or a new foot or something. You'd get me a new foot because we'd be responsible for each other. So that's why I really liked the race. Loved that we could have seen more of them. But, you know, again, the, the nature of the show is they're traveling in a straight line out of everybody's space. So they're not going to be in somebody's space forever. That, that race will drop off. So, but this versus, um, the enemy within which was you know done very shatnery where he's like you know i want to live and he's hugging his double and it's very like 60s-ish it's it's and it's an early episode of the series so it it kind of has some hokum to it uh and this is again it's an early episode of the series but i think it's a great study of balana saying for her saying for those parts of herself that she finds uglier those parts of herself that she struggles with to kind of get through the day to simply say, you are this, this is why we didn't get through the Academy. It's because of you when it's really you're pointing, but you point the finger back at yourself because she is me, you know, when she's (laughs) having this interaction. So um, I think it's fascinating to think of any of us, if we were split down the middle or if we had to meet a duplicate uh, of yourself, which I reminded of one of my favorite episodes of the next generation, which is called second chances season six, Riker, you find out eight years prior to the episode, Riker was split in a transporter accident and one complete version of himself emerged on the ship. He was in and one complete em- uh, version of himself emerged on the planet. And then they're brought back together and they're both 100% William Thomas Riker. And then uh, data and Worf have a scene. And uh, I love it. A data just says, Lieutenant, I have a question. He says, if you met a duplicate of yourself, uh, would you find it hard to get along with him? And Worf says yes. And Data says why? He says I am not easy to get along with. And Data goes, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so this this kind of reminds me of that. You're like mm, yes. And then this because Data, you know, Data is zero fucks given. He's just no filter at all. So, right. um, But anyway, yeah, I love this episode. What, what did you think, hon? I really liked the episode as well.
1: I liked, um, honestly, the acting. Um, Belana she did a really good job with both characters separately if that makes sense
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, being the human side and being the Klingon side I just enjoyed that piece of the storyline just watching her and her reactions and the humanity that she had when she was human mm-hmm. um, definitely she has a, obviously a softer side in her normal state, than most Klingon women. Um, so we know that she has a human side, but it, just seeing the two separate beings of her was very interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And and even at the end, she you know has the the touching statement. Well, I I, I know that I'll always struggle with her, but I, I essentially I need her, which is you know again it it's the allegory back to back to the episode of TOS. So I liked it. It's uh it's definitely a bright spot. Of this, this last half season. Um, But for every great episode, we turn around to get a terrible episode about a character that you don't care about. And that would be episode 15, Jitrall. Tell us all about it. A member of the... Hakonians.
1: Hakonians. I was going to say that. Wow, there's there's so many different races. Um, A race warring with the Talaxians. Arrives on Voyager, much to the dismay of Neelix, whose family was killed by a weapon of mass destruction. This particular individual devised.
0: So um, nobody cares about Neelix. He sucks. <laughs> um, I will say that, uh, you know, it it really did give uh, Ethan Phillips, uh, as, as portraying this character, a chance to kind of stretch his legs. Uh, to learn a little bit more about the character who's usually so, uh, you know, bouncy and happy. I think (laughs) think Tom Paris at one point refers to him as Hedgehog, which I think is a great way to look at him. You know, he's like a more obnoxious Sonic the Hedgehog, I think would be a great way to put it. Um, And it has a great... uh, Guest appearance by an actor named James Sloyan, uh, who in TNG played a uh, played a Romulan officer, high ranking Romulan officer who lied about his identity so that he could uh, defect to the Federation and into the Enterprise in this case um, because he believed that the Romulans were planning an invasion, but it really turned out to be he had been fed disinformation. They were tra- the Romulan High Command was trying to get rid of him. Wonderful episode called "The Defector," and he just really acted the shit out of that role and. I can see him trying to bring that same kind of gravitas to this role, but it just doesn't click with me in the same way because I don't care about Neelix. It's too early in the series for me to, to really have a great impression to care about him. Um, So I feel like the portrayal uh, of this nemesis character who in the end turns out to be, you know, he comes with false pretenses He says, well. I think I can, I can reconstitute the people on your planet that, you know, were vaporized by doing this thing and that thing. And and really what he's trying to do is he's, he's dying himself and he's trying to find, he's dying. No, he comes aboard and says, Neelix, you have the thing. And Neelix says, I don't want you to treat me. And as it turns out, Neelix doesn't have the thing. The guy has the thing, but his ultimate plan is to try to, reconstitute people from the swarm cloud around the planet and it doesn't work out. And then the guy dies. So it's just like, Oh boy, he was noble and he tried to do a thing, but I just, I'm left without caring. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Yes.
1: Neelix. Um, I don't know. In the beginning he was quite annoying. Um, it, it improved a little, I think later in the, the series, but yeah, I didn't love the episode. It wasn't, I again it was um episode that wasn't really extremely memorable to me. Um when we rewatched it, I had forgotten pieces of it. Um but Neelix isn't a character that like you said, that you get behind in the beginning because you just he's not um I don't know.
0: Likeable you, in any way, shape or form Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: It's not likable.
0: I hear ya. So, all right, so episode uh, 16. So this was the this was the kind of the unintentional season finale and Voyager was a little weird because they uh in season 1, they had this story that has existed for the last, you know, 25 years since th- this was put out. The last four episodes that were filmed were held back to kick off season 2. And I don't necessarily know why the reasoning was. It was maybe because Uh, You know, they I don't think there was a writer strike or anything like that time, but there was I'd have to look into it. But there was a reason of some kind that they took these four episodes and they sprinkled them in broadcast wise out of sequence into season two, which makes me nuts. But the reason, you know, they're out of sequence is that uh, in Star Trek uh, TNG forward, there are five digit star dates, uh, starting with the number four. It was and so it was uh, four, the number four. And then uh, uh, when TNG started, it was it was four one because the four meant season one. Then it was season two, season three, yada yada yada. Uh, By the time we get to this show, the first year was four eight, and then obviously the next year would be four nine. So as you are looking at the published star dates for season two. There's four eights and four nines intermingled within the first four or five episodes. So it's extremely, extremely irritating to me. Or the first, like, six episodes. So at any rate, this was a weak season finale when the real season finale was a very memorable episode called The 37s. in April, you'll remember this. It was the episode where um, Amelia Earhart and some other characters from, or some other people from the past were discovered in cryostasis on a planet. Does that sound familiar? Yes. And it was a great yes. episode. And it would have been a great season finale, um, but that the, instead we get this. We get episode 16, Learning Curve. So tell us about this one.
1: Tuvok trains several Maquis members who have not fully integrated
0: into the Voyager crew. So initially a great concept, I think, because of what we were talking about a few minutes ago, you know, yeah, you're gonna get some people who are just gonna say, "Ah, fuck Starfleet, and I don't want to do any of this shit." And on the Maquis, we were pirates, and we did whatever the hell we wanted, and blah blah blah, and all we cared about was killing Cardassians or whatever. Uh, and now they're all stuck on a Starfleet ship, and they're wearing Starfleet uniforms, and you got to say yes or no, sir, and you got to do all this stuff that they just didn't sign up for. But what choice do they have? You know, they gotta—they're on a ship. You know, things have to be done so the ship can. Uh, continue to function so that it can, you know, go home. Um, so, yeah, so they, they pick out a group of four people. You've got, you know, you've got the, the sullen young 20 something who is the Bajoran kid. You got the obnoxious, uh, you know, 30, 40 something guy, Kenneth Dalby. You got the, the dumbass Bolian. Uh, and then you got uh, you, you got the, the snarly woman. So yeah, you've got every stereotype. You got a good group of stereotypes. I won't say everyone, but a good group. And Tuvok has to teach them, and he's super inflexible, and they're fighting against him, and you know, they a, a lot of back and forth. And the B story is that you know the neural gel packs on the ship are malfunctioning. It turns out they have a virus, and they have to solve it somehow. And the um, gel pack, the famous gel pack virus. The famous, well, what becomes the gel Pack virus, (laughs) which isn't it turned out it was it was caused by a cheese, like a bacteria from cheese. So good. The famous cheese virus. So kind of failing all over the place. And again, this episode has a very sitcom ending where at the end, literally the last line from from Dalby, who is the leader of the group of Malcontent, says, well, you know, if you can bend a little and and meet us halfway, we can meet you halfway, too. And it's like, what? No, they're going to continue to be. He hasn't earned their respect. They're going to continue to be a pain in the ass. That's the way life actually works. So th- this one kind of failed for me on all levels. I don't know. Is and and a terrible caper to the season where you're just like, that, that was and, it. Yeah. yeah, it's like and now we're yeah. going to have to wait till the fall to see more episodes. So I don't know. what you? Maybe I'm being too harsh. What do you think?
1: No, I agree. Um, I think it seemed like I understand that the Key is very different from Starfleet. I get that. But they just went a little over the top with some of the characterizations, I thought.
0: Right. Exactly. Like I said, it was it was kind of stereotypes one oh one when they picked out these four. You know, it's like how yep. could they be any more one dimensional? It's like, you know, it's like Billy Zane is the villain in Titanic. Well, he's just a bad guy and that's all he's got going for him is that he's a rich dick. You know, it's just kind of the same thing. Um I so, just yeah. feel like
1: they were trying too hard. All of them are in the same situation. They're yeah. nowhere near where they want to be. Um, so it seems like they wouldn't be quite as angry about it or annoying. They would just do the thing to try to to make things work. But I just feel like they were trying too hard
0: in this episode. I hear it. Yes. It was a, a classic case of trying too hard, which I would say definitely – Uh, caps, uh, recap several episodes of this first season. So, uh, so that takes us to the end of the season. So, uh, and this was, um, this was Aaron and Rich's idea, uh, last week is that we, we gave it a rating of kind of one to 10, uh, one being the worst, 10 being the best. Uh, or uh, 10, I, you know, one, I hated it, 10, I loved it. So of these eight episodes, if you were going to pick a a rating between one and 10, overall, what would you choose?
1: An average overall, um, Ah, it'd have to be like it's it's still kind of like meh.
0: So five, because meh. You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking a solid five, maybe even a four. You yeah. know, because I think Aaron, Aaron, kind of a kind of tacked on, uh, you know, kind of two, well, you know, a point or to like two points per, like a point and a half per, because there's eight episodes. So, um, so yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, the good news is we can move on from it, uh, because. Uh, now it's time to briefly talk about a couple of news items before we bid adieu. So first and foremost, uh, in the city of Boston, which is kind of a special place to me. My grandmother, my late grandmother, was from Boston. You know, I have some family back there. Um, but that is also the hometown of the late Leonard Nimoy, the original, the classic uh, Spock. So the city of Boston uh, is paying special tribute to one of their favorite sons on what would have been his 90th birthday. Um, yeah, so, uh, March 26, uh, is notated in Boston as being Leonard Nimoy day per this year. So that was, uh, that's a couple of days from, from when we're recording this. So you'll be listening to this next week. So it would have already gone by. So, um, so I think this is great. Uh, I think this is, you know, it's great simply because obviously I have such an affinity for his work. Uh, April and I both love the city of Boston because of the superb Ray, Ray Donovan. (laughs) Yeah. What's What's Ray Donovan's catchphrase, babe? you done? done. <laughs> uh, anyway, wouldn't you love to see Liev Schreiber on Star Trek being kind of a Ray Donovich kind of character, like a villain, like a con? Yeah. Wouldn't he have, wouldn't he have yeah. been a great con? He would have been a great yes. con. That would have been pretty sweet. So um, so I think this is great. So uh, in addition to this, um, the family is celebrating with the release of a set of collectible digital trading cards. That's pretty sweet. God, look at this picture of him at the bottom. He looks even younger than... Than he did when he was on the show. Damn. So anyway, I love this. It's a great way uh, to celebrate, you know, the work of this man. uh, And uh, also Leonard Nimoy, besides being Spock, was an accomplished director. He obviously directed uh, Star Trek 4. He directed Star Trek 3. And he directed the 80s classic Three Men and a Baby. Not a lot of people know about that. So uh, pretty awesome stuff. I did not know that. You see, I'm just, I'm a fountain of knowledge. So, uh, moving on from that story, this was, I found this one just today, the Lenny my thing I already knew about, but I was just kind of skimming looking, but uh, your chance, hold your breath, to own your own Charlie Carden action figure is coming your way. Uh, Mego, the famous uh, toy line from the 1970s, which was here and it went away and it's been back for five or ten years. I mean, reissuing figures kind of in that same style, and they're kind of a kind of a Barbie-ish kind of style, though, with clothing, and they're not, you know, they, they don't have huge boobs and little hips, uh, typically. Uh, they've been making some Star Trek figures so far. They've cranked out a Michael Burnham. There's a Saru. They have uh, they have uh, Q in the Judge robe, so I think is awesome. Uh, you have uh, uh, Picard and Data, and, of course, Kirk and Spock. But now we're getting a Captain Pike. Yes! Uh, they actually sell these at Meyer, babe, which is nice, so they'll be easy to find because Meyer is a... For those who don't live in the Midwest, Meyer is our, our superstore, and it's actually a Grand Rapids company, which we're really proud of. But it is a it's one of those stores that you can find it seems like almost anything that you would need from groceries to you know, shoes and clothing and blah blah and toys. Uh, but yeah, we're getting uh for the from the Mego line a uh, Captain Pike in the uh, I wouldn't say it was hyper accurate, but I don't care because uh, there hasn't been a Captain Pike uh, figure that has been modeled after Anson Mount. Um, oh, look at the boots, hon. That's what I need on my boots. Except for, I use those same cosplay boots for a bunch of different outfits, so that wouldn't really work. I'd have to get a second pair, but I'm not to say that I wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, no, this looks very exciting. And yes, a Michael Burnham figure to go with him. So I am I will definitely be picking both of those up. That's great. And I uh, yeah, continue to scroll down. You get the, the Salt Vampire uh, from the classic episode The Man Trap, the first episode of Star Trek to ever air, making her, the Salt Vampire, the first. Star Trek villain, if you will. Yes. So, uh, Doctor McCoy, kind of in classic, uh, in classic short sleeve parlance. Scotty, oh, they got a whole line. Man, this is a little deeper. And Scotty, kind of in his classic appearance. I don't know, Honda. We might have to make a shelf for these. I don't know. Oh my. Uh, <laughs> you know, April and I have a deal. My Classic, my more traditional action figure collecting is the the six inch style action figures. It's the the Star Wars, the Black Series, Marvel Legends, the older Star Trek series from Diamond Select Toys. I have down there. I have Battlestar Galactica figures as well. I have a set number of shelves in the basement, in the unfinished part of our basement, in the laundry area, which I get to visit because I do laundry in our house. I get to visit, you know, it once or twice a week, which always makes me very okay. happy.
1: Let's just clarify that. I didn't force you into the basement.
0: All right, that that was not my inference, not at all. No, I was not trying to sell you down the river. Well, the
1: way you said, I I, get to visit it once or twice a week. No. Uh,
0: say that i'm not hanging out that what would i be doing hanging out in the basement first of all the litter boxes are down there It doesn't smell great so visiting I, I didn't
1: force him into the basement
0: Visiting is kind of the best way to handle that so yes no i'm not forced into the basement but we do have and this was kind of at a- a- april's behest of the bookshelves in our living room we do have a scattering of uh funko pop figures a lot of a lot of those belong to april and i have a few of these mego uh figures uh of the uh of the original series I've gotten as gifts and stuff like that. So these will be a welcome addition. No, I don't think we're going to buy them all. If I had to pick one, I would obviously pick the, the Anson Mount figure, but this is great. Um, it still kills me that McFarlane toys who has been making a, just a killer line of DC comics figures, the multiverse figures in the last six months to a year of which I've started collecting. I love it. They've owned the star Trek action figure five, six inch line for three years now, almost three years now, and they have made two figures. They made two figures in the beginning. They made Kirk, and they made a Picard, and they had the license to do, I think, a Burnham, and and a Klingon from that first season of Discovery, and then a a prop Discovery Phaser, and those latter three things got canceled, and there has been nothing since the fall of 2017. That makes me furious. I can't stand it. So I have a love-hate relationship with McFarland Toys, which is why I'm glad to see that somebody is making products. So I like it. And uh, with that, that's kind of the end of our show. So uh, April, before you uh, sing us a song out of here, uh, you are active in a lot of things that are not related to geek culture. You are a small business person. Um, So why don't you tell our intrepid viewers where they can find you out in the world of social media and et cetera
1: you can go to aprilcarden.com and find all of the information on there um i also am active on facebook on my own personal page and on april all year round
0: awesome yes yeah, so do that she's awesome she's inspirational you know, she's my lady. She's my lobster. What do you want me to say? She's, she is, she is the wind beneath my wings without a doubt. She
1: makes
0: makes all this possible. So anyway, while I'm uh, busy fluffing you up, why don't you go ahead and take us out?
1: For more information on Starfleet international fan club in Michigan and or Canada, please visit the grand Petoskey or the nomad on Facebook. And we can give you all of the information. Also, the Code 47 podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network and is produced by Todd Oxtra.
0: And he'll tell you how great he is. No, <laughs> um, friends, thank you as always for joining us. Uh, we are, again, uh, part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. You can find us over on Twitter at Secret Friends U, uh, anything uh, that you would Love to suggest a topic about the show. Ask us a question. Just give us some general feedback. We are uh, all about that, and we will read that uh, on the program, this is one of four shows that that we do on a weekly by weekly basis. Obviously, we're here talking about uh, Star Trek. I'm I'm usually joined by either Aaron or Rich, who are my new rotating co-hosts. Uh, but I'm also joined uh, on a show called The Holocron Chronicles by Mark Carabin, the Canardian, uh where we talk about uh, Star Wars every other week. Uh, co-op mode. Mark joins my prime. Uh, Secret Friends Unite partner uh, Todd to talk about video games, which is not my sweet spot, so I'm glad they're doing it, and not me. Uh, and then of course uh, every Friday you'll hear a new episode of Secret Friends Prime, as it were. Todd and I, who have been you know best friends for 25 years, talk about geek culture in general. So a lot of the stuff you hear here, also comics, movies, etc. So um, we do have a wonderful uh, store over on T Public. Uh, you can you know have merchandise t-shirts, baseball tees, which is my new thing. I've got a couple of those. Uh, stickers, notebooks, wall art, pillows even. Just weird, just, just all kinds of great merch. Uh, all proceeds from that actually do go back uh, to a charity that April and I are a part of here in the state of Michigan called the League of Enchantment, which does uh, outreach work uh, for children uh, not only here in Michigan, but really abroad. So we're talking about hospital visits, uh, care packages, and things of that nature. So go buy some stuff, represent the Secret Friends Unite Network. Work uh, and benefit kids. So uh, leave us a five-star review uh, on the podcast hosting service of your choice. Uh, also over on YouTube, all of our episodes are mirrored there and get a fantastic prize from our digital library. So that is it, April. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm glad I didn't have to look too far to find a co-host this week. Uh-huh. Just, you know, just, you know, the next spot over on the couch. Um, and I'm going to tell you as always that sharing is caring and keep on trekking.